Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made as a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners about their journey of building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking some time to recognize the folks who helped us along the way. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is really good at explaining complex subjects in an easy to understand manner. She loves to read and, and check this out, cheering on the Colts. Not a very good year for that, is it? No, not <laughs> a great well, year for that. <laughs> as well as IU football uh, and basketball. And she's immensely proud of her three sons, who we will learn a little bit about here. It's my pleasure to welcome Rebecca to the show today. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Tim. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Well, hey, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, uh, where you live, about your family, and some of your hobbies. Sure. Happy to tell you that. So as you mentioned, I'm Rebecca Geyer. I'm actually an attorney in the north suburb of Indianapolis, Carmel, Indiana, and I own and operate a boutique estate planning and elder law law firm. I've been in practice for 23 years, and for a decade, I've had my own firm, and we work with people uh, really of all ages and estate sizes to assist them with matters related to uh, growing older or passing wealth or dealing with incapacity issues and trying to keep people as independent as long as possible. I am a native Hoosier, born and bred here in the city of Indianapolis. I went to Indiana University for both undergraduate uh, degree and as well as law school in the city of Bloomington. And I am married to my wonderful husband, Paul, who is super supportive uh, and a great compliment to me in all that I do. And we have three terrific sons uh, who eat me out of house and home, but I love them. <laughs> I, I was going to say I have three teenage boys, but my oldest son just turned 20. So I can now say I have a 20-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And they're still eating me out of house and home. <laughs> and, and so how was it uh, being the only woman in the house? Well, I eventually had to cave and get girl dogs, so I would <laughs> more estrogen in the house. We do have a male cat, but generally it works well. I think probably, uh, I don't know, God must have known something that I'd make a good boy mom because <laughs> uh, it hasn't been without its trials and tribulations, but I love them dearly, and I'm very lucky that they are all close with me and talk to me on a regular basis. Even my oldest son, who's in college, I hear from regularly and whenever uh, even updates on about his day or certainly whenever he has an issue that comes up. So I'm very blessed that I have uh, three boys that I'm close with, but I understand how difficult it can be to be a working parent as well. Indeed. So the Colts, um, they almost pulled off a, a pretty cool win on Sunday, but uh, gave up in the very end. It was like deja vu. It was the <laughs> game all over again. Right? Not so great. Well, eventually they'll figure it out. So, uh, Rebecca, what's a funny story that your family likes to uh, tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? <laughs> I was trying to think of a good tale. I, I guess this is one that my mother loves to tell about me because she said it represents my personality to a T. And she loves to tell a story of when I was a kid and I was in elementary school and I was learning my multiplication tables and I had a multiplication times test in my class. And the first day that we had to take it, I came in dead last in my class. And my mom picked me up after school and I was quite upset over the fact that uh, I came in dead last. I was pretty embarrassed about it. And she said, 
well, don't worry, honey, I'll work on your multiplication tables with you and it won't be a problem going forward. And I told her, no, that's okay, mom, I got it covered. And I worked on it myself. And sure enough, then, you know, a few, you know, a week or two later, then I was pleased that I'd learned them enough to be at the top of the class and not at the bottom of the class. So she always jokes that that's a true test of my personality. I like to figure <laughs> things out and get the job done well. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I don't need your help, mom. I'm going to get there on my own. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's quite true because I, my mother is a wonderful role model and I rely, have relied on her heavily over the years for advice on everything from, you know, creating my business to HR issues. So I wouldn't say it's really on my own, but certainly uh, about multiplication tables, I felt I could do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so Rebecca, tell us how did the business come about and, and at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? That's a really good question. I originally, when I, I always knew that I wanted to become an attorney and I really wanted to work with families, but I had zero desire to do traditional family law like divorce and child custody work. And so my father originally suggested that I look into estate planning, which I did when I was in law school. I'm a third generation attorney, actually, although we've all done different things. And after about 10 or 11 years of practice, I kind of hit a sweet spot where a lot of other firms were looking to hire someone who had an existing book of business and a knowledge base, not such a new attorney anymore. And I took some different job offers. And while I enjoyed that, I always had worked primarily for firms that while they did estate planning and elder law, it wasn't their primary focus. So eventually in 2013, I decided, you know what? I have my own book of business. This is silly. I really want to build a business that is focused on my practice areas. And I took the leap. I would say that makes me a little different from a lot of attorneys who kind of hang out their own shingle right out of law school in that it was less risky for me because I already had a book of business at the time that I started it. But it was still uh, not without its challenges, because like many professions, law school does not teach you anything about running a business. <laughs> right. you learn all of that separately. Indeed, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more about the company. What, what specifically do you do? How do you help folks? Yeah, absolutely. So there are my firm in uh, there are eight of us all in total. We have uh, two attorneys here uh, and then uh, six support staff. And we work with clients really of all ages and uh, net worth sizes. We help people traditionally with estate planning. So about 60 percent of our practice is traditional wills and trusts, uh, preparation of powers of attorney and advanced directives. We also do full service estate administration. So we have clients who pass away or their loved ones call us, uh, you know, clients of mine, their parents might've died. And we assist them in collecting assets and helping their family receive distributions after they pass away. And then the other side of our practice is elder law related. And that is really focused on keeping people independent as long as possible. So we wanna work with them to ensure that in the event that they can no longer live independently, they have the ability to perhaps use the resources to bring care in home. Uh, we look at uh, whether or not they need to move into a facility. We wanna make sure they don't have to go to a nursing home if they're not ready for that. And then we also use governmental benefits if they can qualify for them to help keep them independent as long as possible. Sometimes we deal with Medicaid issues, veterans benefits, social security, and those sorts of things. And then we do some business organization and succession planning, as well as special needs planning. Wonderful. So Rebecca, tell us a, a story or share with us where someone pushed you or inspired you that uh, about something that 
they felt that you could do, but maybe you weren't so sure that you could and, and the impact that that person had on you? I would say in general, my mom was really much uh, a big proponent of me starting my own firm. I There's a lot of safety in working for an established company and feeling like, you know, that's where my paycheck is coming from. I know I can rely on this. I have benefits and things like that. And I was very hesitant at first to consider opening my own practice. And my mom, who is not an attorney and actually uh, has never, she has worked mostly for city and state governments, said, you know, you have all these skills, you have clients, you've been able to develop business. And she really encouraged me. And that was, uh, helped me take a step in the right direction. My father was also a key to that. He actually did have his own practice uh, as an attorney for many years. And I just felt, even though I was really nervous and worried about what it would mean for my family from a financial standpoint, their, uh, I guess, confidence in my abilities to do this on my own really assisted me in being able to open the doors and made sure I made the right decisions that would ultimately help my family and help me build a successful firm. Yeah. Well, so amazing to have that uh, support um, from your parents and and allow you to, you know, to to step out and take that big, big jump and and know that they've got your back and that, you know, they believe in you. And, and so, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for you that you had that, uh, that support. So um, now that you've been a business owner for a number of years, what's the biggest learning that you've had over that, that time? I would say, you know, the part that there's a lot of things that you have to learn in terms of owning your own business, certainly spending an adequate amount of time working on the business is important. So I would say the two things that both surprised and have been helpful to my practice that I worked on, one was learning how to uh, come up with a marketing plan to determine how I was going to ensure that I had a steady stream of business, looking at where referrals were coming from, where my dollars were best spent, determining what was a good use of my time and resources and what was not. And I've been very, uh, I guess I would say very committed to making sure that I had a plan of action in place for continued success. Mm -hmm. The other part that I would say was a pretty steep learning curve was HR issues. Managing a team of people puts you in a very different light and a different role than when you were previously a colleague with certain individuals. Yes. <laughs> HR can sometimes have a steep learning curve, but after 10 years, I've gotten better at it and feel like <laughs> I know the ins and outs. But unfortunately, you know, having a work family is, no different than personality conflicts in your regular family. And sometimes those things do come up. Yes. And, and that is a, a big transition, right? When we're, when we worked for someone else, we could just send that issue to HR. And now it's like, well, where do, who do I send that person to? Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? The buck stops here. Yes. Um, you mentioned marketing. That is a, a big challenge that a lot of new businesses have, right? Because when they worked for someone else, those leads or, you know, or that marketing just happened and, and the opportunity just kind of showed up. And now as a business owner, we're responsible for making that happen. And, um, and you mentioned the, the learning curve and, and, and figuring that out, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. So congratulations on, on working through that and, and having that success. Thank you. So we know business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about um, the biggest challenge that you faced over the years and maybe a, a fellow business owner who came alongside you and helped you get through that. 
Well, I have to say when I started my own firm, I did spend a lot of time talking with other attorneys that I knew who or know still who were successful practitioners. And I felt that they were really invaluable resources for everything from, uh, you know, potential vendors that I could use, you know, who do you get your phone service from? What should I anticipate paying for rent? As an attorney, I had a general idea already what my business structure should be, but, you know, I needed to talk to my CPA about accounting things and those sorts of things. But I felt that the best help was really uh, going to fellow attorneys, some that I really trusted implicitly and are good friends of mine, and talking with them about what worked and what didn't work so that I could start out in a way that was both manageable, manageable from an economic standpoint, uh, but would also help get my firm established quickly and uh, have continued success. So I really have felt that that was, I work in an area of the law that uh, unfortunately we don't have a huge amount of practitioners right now, but I've always been very active in our bar association here locally. And as a result, I know people in all sorts of practice areas and we have a very collegial bar and they were wonderful to work with. And even now I partner with some of those attorneys to teach other individuals about how to successfully run their own law practices. That's wonderful. I There's often a fear of, well, I don't want to ask my quote unquote competition because that doesn't seem fair or they're not really going to you know help me. But um, So just talk a little bit about that. It sounds like your experience was completely different, that folks were more than happy to to help you? I generally feel, yes, people were more than happy to help me. I haven't had any issues with people who have been necessarily reluctant to provide help. I have from time to time. I remember my parents seemed uh, concerned one time. I said, oh, I was sharing a form on how to do something with someone. And they said, oh, aren't you giving away you know, your secrets and how you do something to someone? But practicing law is more than just a form. It is certainly being able to know the law in your area in a way that you can make sure that you are able to meet the client's needs and explaining it accurately to clients. And so I have felt not much of a concern about sharing, you know, things that I create that have helped me successfully run a practice. And I really never got any pushback. I felt that generally people were flattered to be asked what has worked and what hasn't worked for them. And I even have a team of attorneys that I know who have similar practices to me in other parts of the state of Indiana. And we meet periodically just to share ideas about practice management, because it is such a difficult thing to run your own business and figure out what does and doesn't work and really maximize your time. You can only wear so many hats and get so much done on a daily basis. For sure. I, I, I like what you're saying, because it's the it's really the difference between an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. Right. And and what I mean by that is if we don't feel like there's enough to go around, then we might not be willing to share a template or a tool or or help one another out. But if we believe that, you know, uh, that the that we all can raise up and and all benefit from sharing knowledge, then we're more apt to to help one another and and we all benefit from that. So we actually call that coopetition and instead of competition, right? <laughs> I like that. I mean, that's a great word for it. I don't feel, you know, generally, I definitely feel, at least in my area of the law, there's plenty of work to go around. Uh, we have an aging population and there's, you know, not enough people who are interested in practicing this area. So I've always been willing to share. But I think my nature generally as an attorney has always been to try to be collegial and helpful towards people. And I don't think it serves anyone by, you know, trying to keep things to myself and not being willing to share that information. 
I love it. Uh, Rebecca, if I asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there for you and helping with your business growth, who are those three people and how they help you? Uh, I would say the three people I would pick most, I, I probably, I, I have to say both my parents for different reasons. Uh, my mother uh, was the public works director for the city of Indianapolis when I was a kid. And so she has lots of managerial experience and she's been invaluable in running ideas off of for the growth of my business, as well as dealing with issues that come up with personnel and things like that. And my father as well, since he had his own law firm, have been certain certainly instrumental in telling me things that were and did not work for him, encouraging me to get into the area of the law that I practice, and also to be active in local community activities that I have been a part of my entire career. And so they were very impactful. And what's mom and dad's name? Uh, my parents are Richard Gole and Barbara Quinn. Awesome. Thank you. It's been great. Uh, I would also have to say we are very lucky here at Indianapolis. We have a wonderful uh, bar association that I mentioned I've been involved with uh, for most of my career. And we have an executive director of the Indy Bar. Called, uh, her name is Julie Armstrong. And she's just been a wonderful supporter and has encouraged me throughout my legal career, has uh, provided me with resources. And sometimes we discuss management issues because she has a staff that she runs through the association. And she has been instrumental as well. And then I guess I think I would have to say I have another attorney friend and her name is Claire Lewis. And she is kind of a pioneer of elder law in the state of Indiana. And she has always been there to provide resources and to bounce ideas off of. And I don't think I would be where I am today without the input of any of those individuals who have really helped guide me and provide me with assistance and even just an ear to listen to me when I needed it most. It's great to have people like that, that you can bounce ideas off of. You know, it, I hear it so many times that it's lonely at the top. So, I, you know, that business owners don't have folks that they can talk to about stuff that's pertinent to the, you know, the day-to-day -day operation of the business. So, so having folks like that, that you can bounce ideas off of is, is just an awesome uh, blessing to, to be able to have. So I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you've got a number of folks that you're able to talk to about things. Yeah, I would say it definitely is sometimes lonely at the top within my own firm, only from the standpoint I'm friendly with all of my office, of course, they are my work family, and I wouldn't be where I am without them. But at the same time, I'm still their boss. And so I always have to be respectful of that role. Yeah. And so I think that adage is probably very accurate. So it's helpful to me to have other people to talk to and bounce ideas off of who have been in the same boat. So as you think about the next three to five years, Rebecca, what are the challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals and who are the types of people you're going to need to overcome those challenges? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me is uh, in, in some ways I need uh, more people who can meet with clients and help me continue to provide the same level of service. The only way I have found to be successful in my practice is to surround myself with the team of people who are of a like mindset to deliver the same level of service that I want to provide to clients, to be responsive. But there's only so much that I can get done in a day. And really, I don't like being the stopgap in my office where people are waiting for me to respond, to review work, to get through my email, whatever it is. So really to reach the next level, it's going to be about expanding our staff to ensure that we have the right people in place to assist in meeting our clients' needs and expectations. Um, and you mentioned the stop finding gap. those people is sometimes tricky. Yes, right. But you mentioned the stop gap. So yeah, the one of the biggest challenges that 
that I see with growing business owners is that they become the bottleneck, right? Oh. So that the there's a book, a great book it's called "What Got You Here Won't Get You There," and um, you know the the folks who have figured it out and and have built successful businesses, they don't they don't realize that they now have are the reason why the business can't get to the next level. So I, I'm I'm happy to hear that you're you're appreciating that, and you're right finding finding the right people can be a challenge um, and also so critical. We, we've probably all had situations where we've brought the wrong person onto the bus and then, then it's just, we regret it and right of, they're just not a fit. And why did I, why, did, why did we bring those, that person on and, and now they're disrupting everything. So <laughs> the, the, the we idea. should be quick to fire and slow to hire, but it exactly. doesn't that way, depending yeah. on the pain point in your life. But, yeah. you know, we do the best we can, but I am uh, I recognize my own limitations. I'm always trying to work around those and block sufficient time for myself to do work. And sometimes that work time is replaced with client meetings and things like that. But uh, you know, there's an old business book, The E-Myth, that talks about making sure you have uh, specific processes and systems in place. And I, you know, have really worked hard to develop those systems and spend time working on those. And I've always been one, I, I don't assume I know it all. I'm always looking for more information. I'm always asking my staff, do you think we're doing this the right way? If you know of a different way we should be doing this, or if there is something that is a pain point for you that you think we could be doing differently, I want to know so that we can continue to improve our services. That uh, E-Myth is an awesome book. We've got it on our uh, recommendation list for, for when we bring on new clients. And um, so everyone listening, if you haven't read that book, definitely uh, go buy it. It's full of helpful nuggets on how to how to build your business. Yeah, so, they even have E-Myths for specific practice areas now, I noticed. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. They have, you know, E-Myths for a number of different professions where they'll go into detail with specific ways to develop processes and procedures for your particular area. There might be seven to 10 of them now. Okay, wonderful. So Jim Rohn is one of my uh, favorite authors. He says that mm -hmm. we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So as you think about that statement um, and uh, and what that has meant in your business, what advice do you have for for business owners who are thinking that they're they need to do it all on their own? So I think it's a myth that you can really do it all on your own. You might be able to start on your own initially in providing services, but you still need to have people there as a support mechanism to make sure you're doing things correctly. I remember years ago seeing a presentation by an attorney from New Orleans, and he said, really, all you need to do to open your own office, at least initially, is have a cell phone, something that looks like letterhead or the ability to create it, and a computer, and you can start from there. <laughs> and that may be true at the beginning, but I don't think it's true long term. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think when you're running a business successfully, you need to have a, a good CPA in your corner to make sure you're not running afoul of any tax obligations or tax rules. Uh, when you're self-employed, oftentimes you're getting paid and you haven't paid taxes yet, and you definitely don't want to end up owing the IRS. And you want to know if there are ways that you can deduct certain business expenses that aren't going to cause an issue for you. I also think most people who run businesses, if they have families, you need to be clear about when is work time and when is family time. And sometimes you can't plan for that ahead of time. But I lead a 
crazy life. Sometimes when I'm in the office, I'm in appointments all day and I don't have an opportunity to meet with my staff, let alone uh, might not be the best time for me to run out if one of my kids gets sick. And I have worked with my spouse closely to make sure that between the two of us, we know uh, how things would be handled. Luckily, my children are a little bit older now. So the, some of those were <laughs> when they were younger, but it would be a myth to think that I could do this job effectively without the support of my husband. He is absolutely uh, my rock and helps me. Uh, and he has a full-time career of his own, but we are the yin and yang to one another and balance one another out. And so I don't think I could be successful without his uh, ability to be supportive to, to me and to work with my crazy schedule. Awesome. I would also say- what's his, what's his name, by the way? His name is Paul. Paul, Paul right. Let's give a shout out to Paul. Thank you for all your support. He's <laughs> terrific. And I don't think that I would be a good- uh, as effective at my job also, if I didn't have people at, to bounce ideas off of. And so in my case, that tends to be, as I mentioned, other attorneys who do what I do or have similar size firms. It's just really hard, I think, to know how to proceed, even with all the information at our fingertips through the internet. Being able to talk through an idea with someone is really key for my success a lot of the time and learn from mistakes that others might have made or that I might have made in the past so that I can move forward in an effective manner. And also, it's great to have people just to talk to and get away from what I do for a living right. because it can be stressful and we need downtime and proper work-life balance if that really exists. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like what you said earlier about you know giving yourself permission right? Bringing in people to take things off of your plate, right? That you're, you, you mentioned the e-myth a few times, right? Really building a firm and a practice that can run without you or can grow beyond just you so that you can enjoy the fruits of your labors. Too many people, right? Just build the business to them working 60, 70, you know, 80 hours a week. But, you know, unfortunately, right? If something was to happen to us, and, you know, we're in the hospital or we can't work for, you know, three months, right? our livelihood is, is significantly at risk. And so having that business that can run without us protects ourselves, you know, as business owners from, you know, the unknown, right? The, 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 the risk of anything can happen. And so I like the things you're, you've been talking about in terms of building this practice to be more than just yourself. I would say one of the things that has been key to me when I have built my practice is not just having people here who can also support me in the things that I do, but also having things in place just for the things that you said. If I couldn't practice, I have all these people who work for me who are relying on me, and it doesn't make sense if I don't have proper things in place to ensure their livelihood is taken care of if something happens to me. So, for example, I met with my advisors to say, okay, it's great if I have disability insurance in case I can't work, but I have something called disability overhead insurance to help pay for my firm expenses and ensure I can cover my employees' salaries even if I can't be there on a day to day basis. So, there are lots of things that I consider as a business owner. And I also think I've really learned a lot about uh, understanding what my needs are from a hiring perspective differently than just saying I'm hiring for a specific mm. position. Yeah. 
because I've some, I will admittedly say I've learned this the hard way, but I <laughs> people who come in because my schedule's crazy. I need people who are effective at working independently. And I don't think I would have been able to articulate that. I know I wouldn't have been able to articulate the style of person I needed as well when I was hiring for things initially, but now I've learned a lot over the years. <laughs> That's a great point. So a lot of times um, we'll all make, uh, make the mistake of hiring based on skills and experience as opposed to hiring based on what's the cultural fit, right? What's the, right. What's the type of person I need? What, what's their um, disc profile? What are their strengths and weaknesses, right? What do they really love doing? And is that all, is their personality also a fit to the role and to the organization? Because again, we've all been in situations where we've worked with people who aren't a fit and that is more trouble than it's worth. So I, Absolutely. I, and yes, we have to learn our way through it, right? We can all hear that and and uh, shake our head that that makes sense. And then we'll, we'll when we make the first mistake, we, we realize and remember how important that hire slow, fire fast <laughs> statement is that you said earlier, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> so Rebecca, if there was something catastrophic that happened uh, in your business, who's the first person that you'd call and what would you want from them? If something catastrophic happened, well, first, because of the nature of the work I'm in, I'd probably have to call my malpractice carrier. We had, I, I give this as an example, this didn't happen to me, but years ago when I was in practice, uh, we had a tornado come through downtown Indianapolis and it kind of ripped off the side of a skyscraper. And a bunch of law firms were in that building and their client matters went down the street in the wind blowing through the wind. And I have always remembered that conversation about what safeguards do I need to have in place for purposes of safeguarding information. And so uh, I would probably, if something catastrophic happened from a business standpoint, call my insurance carriers just to make sure if there's something that I need to know I've taken care of, then I would probably call my husband and my mom because I would be freaking <laughs> If something catastrophic happened and what I needed to do uh, with regard to that, but I'm kind of, I have a little sign in my office that my mom gave me and it says, uh, put on your big girl panties and deal with it. And I would <laughs> pieces and try to decide what I needed to do. And I tend to be, you know, somebody who, you know, will start making a list and work my way through it to figure out how I need to deal with that issue. I'm picturing the papers blowing all over downtown Indy. Oh, it, it was terrible. And it took years to fix that skyscraper because the front of the facade of the building was essentially destroyed. And those law firms were displaced for months as a result, maybe even a year. They had to find temporary office space and it was a mess. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. <laughs> so Rebecca, you've been blessed with some incredible people who have helped you along your journey. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them? Definitely thank you. And I feel like we don't have as many opportunities or we don't take enough opportunities to thank people the mm. uh, way that we should. I feel it's really important to make sure that the people that I know and who do things for me know that they mean uh, a lot to me and have been such a huge support to me. Uh, so, you know, it's funny, you sent me some questions and things to know about myself and, and I'm not the type of person, I know I'm successful, but I generally don't think of myself as uh, unique or interesting in any particular way. But when I was talking to my husband and even a friend of mine, what do you think is unique about me or these things that they were able to rattle off things that I, I don't know that I even thought about myself. So I, I want to say thank you for always being a cheerleader of, of mine and 
making sure I have what I need to be successful as an individual. And I would say that even within my firm, we haven't really touched on my employees, but my work family is phenomenal. And I adore them and could not practice law without them. And I try to recognize all the wonderful things that they do and support them, even with unexpected things. Like I have an office manager, Jan, who started earlier this year, and she is great about anticipating my needs and taking care of things when I'm not able to do things for myself, when I might be in an appointment. And I, I like to surprise her with things whenever I can to show my appreciation. Fantastic. I love um just how many people that you've recognized today and that have been part of your journey. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for being on the show today. It was a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us move, spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join us, Go to BeMadTogether.com. Okay, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.